Good morning, Putnam! Friends, neighbours and innocent bystanders, welcome to a special edition of Nine Stories High. everybody thanks for tuning in first i have a confession i was trying to get this out on saturday the 7th of november but i didn't why because that of course was the intended date of this year's putnam bonfire which thanks to covid didn't happen so for those of you who missed your annual fix and for people who've never been to the bonfire i gathered a group of people who've been a big part of it over the years and we all had a Zoom call. Not quite the same, but at least we didn't spend the evening wondering where all the orange fencing had gone since last year. I'm sure we had more than this. So this edition of the podcast is all about the bonfire. Uh, Don't worry, normal service will be resumed soon. Lennon is already writing a whole new batch of jokes. I'm scouring the village for amusing animal anecdotes. And there's always something to say about the old Etonian clown show. But that's all for next time. Anyway, before we get started, I'd just like to dedicate this special show to one of our regular listeners, Penny Privet. I really hope you enjoy it, Penny. Now, you'll hear a lot of voices in the next half hour or so. If you don't recognise them, they are Mike Bluntle-Jones, Adam Calver, Dave Cassar, Will Yule, Liz Yule, Peter Conn, Gary Crosby, Liz Crosby, Nick Wildman, Pete Reynolds, and Sir James Leonard. So pull up a pallet, pour yourself a mulled wine, and let's light the blue touch paper. Welcome to Nine Stories High. Um, Mike, is it true that you are one of the original bonfires? Uh, That is true, yes. There were four of us originally. Uh, obviously, Ian Page, John Wardley, who not all of you might know, and Phil Barnett and myself. And I think when I moved to the village back in 87, there were probably four families who actually had children, and that was it. And so we sort of got together and had a sort of, you know, a family, not really a bonfire, more fireworks. And then it sort of escalated really from there to everybody else wanting to do it from the uh, uh, the surrounding parishes and uh, Roger Taylor's field was actually the really the first one to actually you know basically build a bonfire with uh, number 10 um, in the background and then obviously you know the Guy Fawkes really rolled out from there. There, there was four of us that basically put our credit card behind the bar if that was the right expression to cover the costs and then we hoped that people would donate on their way in or way out. That lasted one year only, because basically it was such a large shortfall that we decided we probably wouldn't do that again. Yeah. Um, and really that's uh, when we sort of worked out that we had to charge for everybody coming in. Um, so this is starting in 1989, that's right. Yeah. So we had number, I think we had number 10, 
Number 10 Downing Street. Big Ben. And we had number 11, the Treasury. And so it went off. And it just grew and grew and grew, you know, to what it is today. But in those days, you know, there was no uh, risk assessment required. And we did some quite uh, interesting things. The one that most people would remember is when uh, Guy Fawkes was Phil Barnett. He'd had a few drinks down the GI beforehand and uh, was giving a speech on the sort of catwalk of, uh, I think, number 10. And... Um, Somebody lit it and he didn't quite realise that he was still on it. And that was uh, quite a hairy moment. We had to get him down before the whole thing burnt down, including him. And so you raised money to start with, although the first year you didn't raise money because you, you cost you money. But the yeah. idea was to raise a bit of cash for the, for the local community. Yeah, that, that was, that's where it went. So I think originally it was just trying to break even. And as we got more and more people, we realised that we had a surplus. And that's when we started to give it away, uh, you know, to the local good causes. Okay. Uh, that we still do today, 30 years on. But maybe Dave and Adam, who are our, our current chairman, uh, and we're obviously very honoured to have you here today. Um, you Maybe could you just explain where we, from those uh, humble beginnings, where we got to? For those who don't know the bonfire, what does it currently consist of? Uh, I suppose at the moment it's the, uh, the culmination of three plus months of uh, lots and lots of building. Um, a huge structure the size of, I don't know, one and a half, two houses. Um, I think 2,499 people arriving in the field. Um, I believe that's <laughs> the, the capacity that we have. Yeah. Um, a large bar with many barrels of, of Hogsback beer, huge barbecue. Um, and the better part of over £10,000 raised for charity and good causes. And uh, the, one of the, the thing that really strikes you about Putnam Bonfire, I think, if you've not been before, is it's not actually a bonfire, is it? It's not a pile of wood with a guy on the top. It's, as Mike was suggesting, with his allusion to number 10, etc. It's, it's rather more uh, elaborate than that. Dave, tell us about that. Yeah, um, I mean, that, that was sort of what got me into the bonfire in the first place, is it isn't just a bonfire, it's... It's basically a work of art that we burn every year. Sometimes it's almost a shame to burn it. It just looks so amazing. Like last year we had the Star Wars theme um, and Peter and Liz and everyone made basically a Millennium Falcon in the middle of a field in a Surrey, which you just don't think would happen. Because there are quite a few bonfires around here, aren't there? Surrey is quite um, well endowed with bonfires, you know, Chili Falls, <laughs> Pete Big and Ripley and all that lot. They're quite, they, they have a good go, don't they? They build a big bonfire but they don't quite do what we do. I don't think any of them have the penchant for fancy dress and flair that the, uh, yeah. the village likes to demonstrate every year. It does bring um, out a bit of yeah, the dresses among us, doesn't it? Yeah. Notwithstanding, of course, the, the addition of uh, numerous overly complex special projects Indeed. and uh, embellishments that, that seem to be built and, uh, and get bigger and better every year. We should certainly get to that. And James, so James Lennon is with us, so we'll talk to him in a moment about that. That's excellent. Yeah, I mean, it's basically built of pallets, isn't it? Um, wooden pallets that, you, that people deliver stuff on. Sheets of ply, stitch to it, and then... Uh, of course, Liz and Pete work their magic and it becomes this amazing design that uh, is the bonfire. Uh, yeah. We just build the framework. It's you guys that put everything together and just... Exactly. So we, yeah, we build this to a sort of a massive, great big facade, don't we, out of straight, straightish bits of wood, pallets. 
with a hundred thousand nails, and then uh, and then Peter and Liz and their team um, do the magic. And Peter and Liz, what does the magic consist of? Early in the year, uh, we sit around and and view ideas for themes. By and large, we get to a state where there are one or two ideas which seem to stand out and are workable. And it's then that we start gelling into something which becomes uh, a picture. And picture that I produce normally is one that can be then transposed onto large sheets uh, in the Womborough Hall. And that is, uh, we're very grateful for that over the years, because uh, I've been doing it for about seven years. And it's so easy doing that rather than trying to lay out 50 odd sheets of eight by four um, hardboard uh, and try and make them into some sort of clearing scheme. Liz gets together a lot of ladies who give up their time um, uh, to go to the Putnam Barn and she schedules the. Yeah. Um, Liz also generates the requirements that we need for quantities of paints, hardboard and other materials. And uh, by the time in early September uh, that the design is really formulated and the construction begins on site, then we are in a position to really lay out the, the drawings and then proceed with painting. And that takes a sequence over to Shall we say the last week in October, uh, which we have to finish because the week before the actual event, that all the hoardings and the panels have to go up on site. Liz sort of coordinates this incredibly well. I come to the site on a Saturday to try and make changes to things that have gone wrong, inevitably. <laughs> Uh, the builders get carried away with their enthusiasm, then coordinate all James and the other ancillary sort of people to make it all gel together. It is remarkable, it's kind of magical that moment, isn't it? When you see the last Saturday before the big day, the, uh, the painting goes up and the painting is on relatively thin, relative, relatively light board, isn't it? But, but, but when it goes up, it's quite an extraordinary um, transformation. Yeah, well, there are 50 boards usually wow, at least. Yeah. And they're big, and, big uh, boards. Yeah. They're all numbered, and aren't they? Precisely numbered. They all have to be numbered. Well, we get them in the right order. Yeah, it's incredible. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. And as you rightly said, a couple of people said, um, the whole thing is enhanced by what we, what we fondly call special projects. And you know, I need to turn to James Leonard. James, you are known as Sir James Leonard. Why are you uh, actually a knight? What's going on there? Uh, my services to the community and a pillar of the community. Blimey. I'm, I'm, well, I'm sorry that <laughs> I didn't know that. Um, James, <laughs> special projects, what, what's that all about? Special projects, making things move, making the sets uh, a bit more lively, if at all possible. What kind or, of stuff are you talking about there? I don't know. Uh, made an egg machine one year, <laughs> egg round and round. Obviously, yeah, an egg machine. Yeah. Unfortunately, you couldn't see it from the crowd, but you know, the Thanks effort was there. Um, uh, what else? Did I made chocolate bars go round as well on the side. Oh, Willy Wonka. Yeah, Willy Wonka. Yeah. Um, I've made a giant sailboat that rode out. 
the Viking ship yeah. that came in and yeah. out. Yeah, that's that was out, good. Fire. That was very good, uh, actually. What was that, sorry? Flying car. Flying car. Chitty, chitty, bang, bang. A unicycling monkey. We, yes. A clown did, with a monkey. We did have a unicycling yeah. clown or monkey, wasn't it? That was uh, largely down to Rupert Perkins. Did some Tiger Fighters last year. Yeah, we did. We had um, Gandalf standing on a rock. Do you remember? One of um, the children was the burning Olaf. One year. Oh, that upset a lot of people, didn't it? A lot of children, yeah. lot of children that. cried that night. Yeah, we've had dancing children dressed as dwarves and just as... Well, that started with Pete and Pete, mainly, um, yeah. although not quite... The, the leader of the child. dwarves. Yeah, yeah. Uh, him and Will, I think, <laughs> being the bank robbers or something like that, I think was one of the first ones. Yeah, right. The live action in front of it, yeah, uh, with the exploding uh, bank and uh, bad intent, I think. When did it get... Spectacular. It started with themes, but did it? When was it? Because people talk talk in glowing terms about the Battle of Trafalgar. Is it, was that the kind of the big? That was probably one, one of the ones that we had. We built two basically battleships, I suppose, or galleons, um, with uh, telegraph poles as masts, and uh, that was extremely spectacular. And uh, you know, we had we made sails with the wind actually made them billow out and it was really good and uh plainly the right side one but um it was just spectacular it took us a long time to do it but that was probably the one that most people would remember you know that was back in 2008 so you know 12 years ago on that one but there's been you know many many of them you know farnham castle was another one that we made look identical to it and it was a, a story without mentioning who the person was who worked at the Upper Borough Council who drove in the village and said, I haven't given permission for this new house. We used to have sausage tasting competitions. Now, yeah. you might think that's all good fun, but we used to have about 10 different sausages which we cooked. Lame is to say you had to have at least a pint of uh, beer to go with it. Yeah. And on the last time we did it, it was all going well until we got a call that somebody had actually lit the bonfire. It was in John Beaumont's house, if you can remember him. And um, the far, somebody called the fire brigade and they put it out for us before we got there. I mean, very, uh, very strange thing. But luckily, we had a few days to uh, uh, redo it, which we managed to do. I think that was on a Wednesday and it was still went ahead on the Saturday. One of the originals was John Wardley, who was ex-SAS demolition man. He was always wanting to blow everything up. That's all he ever wanted to do. And that's how it, I suppose, started. Let's blow it up, put some more fuel. It's going be a bigger bang. Then we had Ross Laney. Yeah. Go back to our dear friend, Ian. He used yeah. to sit up there in his caravan for security purposes. <laughs> and there was one year that was all a little bit difficult. And uh, he decided that... He was. He would sleep there, and he <laughs> he made a fence round the um, bonfire and attached some thunder flashes to it. And so, <laughs> if anybody actually did walk up there in the middle of the night, they would get uh, a huge a shock. shock. Everybody thought he never had them, but he did. He could resource anything. Never asked where it came from because it was best you didn't know. Um, and he was always very clear that part of the. The purpose of the bonfire was to enable people to get rid of their garden waste and stuff. And he was insistent that we went round and collected stuff from people who couldn't get it to us. And I, don't, I remember him very vocal about 
it had to be a community thing and yeah, or, or it kind of wasn't worth doing. My baptism, going around with Ian in his, in his, just before he got ill, going around in his uh, Land Rover, really being taught, you know, how much of a village thing this was and picking up like bushes from different people's houses and, you know, doing all that stuff. That was, yeah. And that's actually one of the reasons I do it. It's something that he was so involved in and it's nice to continue that. He was a good man, Ian, wasn't he? He's always watching us. He is. Because one of the memorable ones of recent years, I'd say, personally, one of my one of my favourites was in 2012, where uh, to coincide with the Olympics, we did a bit of a James Bond Olympics mashup thing, uh, which include included the Queen being dropped from a helicopter onto the bonfire, along with a large screen dropped down the front of it, mm-hmm. uh, with with films being projected on it before the the moving bascules of of Tower Bridge went up marking the end of the, the the Perkins era of bonfire chairmanship, which was was uh, was the first one I, I happened to 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 be involved in. And and from what it seems that was probably during I don't I don't know how long Jules and, and, and Rupert were sort of looking after it or, or in charge of it, but I think that was during the time when it it somewhat went from the, the sort of slightly more amateur towards the more professional era. I think we knew when we were having a meeting on the muddy field with Simon Ellis, who was Britney, had been Britney Spears's musical director on her tour, about how we were going to synchronise the music with the video that his son, the 14-minute Bond compilation video, yeah. his son had mm-hmm. put together. We started thinking maybe this is getting slightly out of hand. Like, mm-hmm. It's no longer a bonfire. Um, <laughs> but it was a good one, wasn't it? I mean, it was a really yeah, good very, one. very good. Uh, it's fantastic. Fantastic one. We probably had more people at that than any of the others. Yeah. Was that your first design, Peter? Uh, I, yeah, individually, I think it was. Yeah. I, before that, I'd worked with Charles Bohm. I think that was the time when we tried to say that everything had to have three dimensions all the time. Things had to move to make the whole thing move forward, wasn't it? Uh, you know, it's all ratified, isn't it, by the fire service? They, uh... Exactly right. You know, yeah. the, uh, no, it's all, yeah, we're all being terribly jolly about it, but actually, it is, you know, it's a serious business, and we have we do have risk assessments and yeah. escape plans. And so, could I ask just uh, I'd quite like to go around and um, ask people what their favorite bonfire of they've been? How, how many bonfires have you seen approximately, and what's your favorite? My favorite was a circus, I love the circus. That was a really fun one to paint as well. And Simon Rogers is going to go down in history for the only human being who's ever been asked to make an elephant and made it above size of an elephant. You know, usually you order an elephant, it's going to be a small elephant. He made it bigger than an elephant. How about you, Liz? What do you, what's your favourite? Oh, um, Chitty Digi Bang Bang, for sure. Ah, what about you, Gary? I would say Star Wars, for sure. When I first walked into the field after dark, it just looked absolutely superb. I agree, I think... Star Wars, I think, was one of the best. I think one of the best things about that was it coincided with, sadly, England losing uh, the World Cup final to South Africa. But when we returned to the field, um, you know, sort of mid-morning and to see the fruits of our labour, it was very sad to see that we had a marquee in a hedge. We had a couple of, um, you know, meteors that had had collapsed and and an ATAP that was uh, uh, on its backside. Um, and yet, you know, the, the bonfire spirit came to the fore and, you know, it didn't take too long to, to rebuild everything and having it 
all looking, you know, all right on the night. I don't know if you remember, because Simon Rogers, who, who sadly isn't here today, who's one of um, another special, special um, projects man, um, who is a production designer in Italian film, and so he knows a thing or two about effects. And he was going. To, he said he, he would make some extra sort of bits, like the uh, what they call atats, atats, not atats, atats. Yeah, atats. Um, and, and it turned out that um, he kind. He was. I think he helped design him, but in the end, it was his son Zach, who's 16, 15, 16, and their friend Hamish, who's 15, 16 as well. And, and and I remember hearing this and thinking, okay, yeah, yeah. Well, it's not going to be quite as brilliant. And it was fantastic. Um, I think my one of my favourites was um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I think the build of that was brilliant. I think it worked for the kids. I think the kids when you have, when you're lucky enough to be on the door and you hear people or see people come down the track and turn left and see it for the first time. To me, that was the biggest kind of like. <gasps> um, Peter, what's your what has been your favourite? I no, I, I'm going to say this. Uh, I think the best is yet to come. <gasps> oh, 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 oh. <coughs> bold <coughs> words, Peter. Bold words. Good, Peter. Are you okay. retiring, Peter? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not allowed to retire. No, you I'm can't not retire. To retire. No. No, oh, very good. That's a very um, very bold statement. What about you, Dave? I think for me, it was the Wild West. I think that was the first year where the theming really kind of went across everything. It wasn't just the bonfire was beautiful. It was everyone was dressed as cowboys. We did the line dancing thing. He did like the little action in the front and just generally the whole atmosphere on the night um, felt special. With the mariachi band, of course. With the mariachi band, which I didn't hear because I was, I was up <laughs> Nobody heard it. What about you, Adam? I'd agree with Dave. It was a, there was a, there was something about the Wild West. Um, I think it was the, the the sort of the orange sunset set across the top of the of the street scene, um, and the fact it was it was very three dimensional in, in, with different facets to it that made it look brilliant. Along with the uh, the chainsaw art of making the cacti that were dotted around the field, which gave it the, the whole sort of the scene. Um, that and, the, and and Star Wars was was a, a Real favourite, only because I, I love Star Wars more than more than almost life itself. Um, <laughs> showing my age, but it's it's one of the it, it's the greatest film that's ever been created by mankind. Uh, Nick, what do you reckon? I don't. Know, I was just thinking about that, and um, I'll, I'll be honest. I think the, the last one that I've just done is always my favourite, and there's the kind of moment when you're down the bottom of the field in the beer tent uh, after the fireworks have gone off and uh, it's sort of culmination of everyone's efforts. You know, it's a, it's a piece of magic really, isn't it? And it, um, you know, it just all comes together. James, what do you think, Sir James? I have quite a few favourites, but one that hasn't been mentioned is the Pirates of the Caribbean. Mm. Yeah. Where we had a couple of galleons, uh, a volcano back and... Uh, firing uh, flares at each boat until they caught on fire eventually. So, yeah, that was quite a good one. Uh, I like the circus one because of the colour, and we had quite a few bits of bobs going on that day uh, with the display, so that was quite good. And for gadgets, it would be um, Charlie and Chocolate Factory. Nice one. What about you, Mike? You've seen more than anybody. Um, I'd probably say first equal is the Battle of Trafalgar. And then obviously the Bond one, because, uh, you know, the film came out more or less exactly at the same time. So, of course, there was great interest. 
And then, of course, we organised that uh, little slow plane to come across just at the right time. And sure enough, somebody parachuted down. The funny thing is, we did have at least two meetings where we discussed the possibility yeah. of a helicopter. Oh, somebody knew a bloke who had a helicopter. Exactly. Da, 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 da. And oh, we had that. We went on for hours. And then this really slow plane came across at yeah. precise time. And everybody, yeah. I just, you know, you remember those things. You really do. But those two, right. I think, are probably the best ones. The other thing that's probably worth mentioning just is obviously about you know 12 years ago is when we outsourced all the fireworks to a professional firework company and therefore the the actual music goes in you know coincides with the theme and also the actual fireworks themselves and that when we did that that made a huge difference and I'm sure you remember it well Simon but it was you know that was a great step forward when we did that and of course, those people now, are, you know, they're sort of the UK champions um, who have actually grown their business and yet they still look after us. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, absolutely right. F1 Pyro, they are amazing, aren't they? They really are spectacular. Yeah, very good. Yeah, yeah I, I, you've covered all the ones. I, I obviously a soft spot for uh, the Wild West because it's always nice to dress as a cowboy. There's no, you can't get away from it. Um, the Disney one I didn't like so much because I, I chose Mr. Incredible costume. No pockets. It's always difficult. And, and, a, and a cold night. And cold. Nice. Yeah, chilly. <laughs> but actually the most surprising, and, and Bond goes without saying, it's, that was sensational. But uh, as many people have said it, but I thought Star Wars was miraculous because I remember when it, when it was suggested, I was thinking, okay, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't see it working myself. You know, it's, it's dark. You know what I mean? It's, it's a dark thing. But when he walked on the field, you thought, God almighty, that's amazing. There's been a few fluctuations over the years, but we've probably, you know, raised during the, probably the last 10 years, something like £120,000. Yeah, all the local causes that we support. I mean, the, I suppose the, the one that's always top of the list is the youth club, uh, but also goes to the uh, community as well to support the older people and any other causes in the village. We've supported the uh, Compo bus over the years to which takes the older people who can't drive still uh, to Godalming to, to you know, buy food. The school, particularly as the uh, School Parent Teachers Association, you know, runs the barbecue. So I think it's, you know, what we make, we give back to the community. I think maybe that's, that's the key point really more than anything else. The bonfire's given a significant amount of money to the, the new playground uh, that has just been finished. A lot of people that you know may not get involved in the building or the painting, but they turn up, you know, on the evening of the event and um, make cakes, you know, sell blowing, blowing sticks, sell beer, drink beer, car parking. Now, Pete, you did a bit of car parking in your time, didn't you, before you were chairman? How was that? Well, firstly, to become chairman, I think you need a good stint of car parking duty. We spend the day, like, you know, combat troops, expecting people to suddenly turn up and steal lights. You've then got to put this track out. Of course, if you're listening to this and you're a recruit for the bonfire, car parking is brilliant. And also, one last thing, the lights never work. We hire these lights and they never work. I remember one year, the whole car parking field, 600 cars, the only light we had was Rupert Perkins with his iPhone torch <laughs> pointing at the one 
That's good. Um, but isn't there a brotherhood of those who've been through the fire, been through the car park? Yeah, you definitely feel that you've got, you've earned your stripes. And there's definitely, in, in recent years since I've done it, they've definitely upped their refreshment game. Yes. And you do get some epic help from the friends of the church who kind of lead a, a kind of corridor of marshals up the road. And they're always very helpful. Roger Taylor's um, groundsman always kind of gets involved. And I think somewhere upstairs, I've got a signed Roger Taylor drumstick. So oh. that's definitely, that, that, that was worth it, I suppose. They are, I mean, jo yeah, John, who is, is that you mean, John the groundsman? He was, he was very, he's really helpful, isn't he? He's a kind of a... John's a legend. Dino's he's very good. They all, they're great, they're aren't they? All... And we're great. And we, you know, we're grateful to Roger as well. I mean, it's very good of him. Yeah, of course. Oh. Well, that d deserves a mention. Without Mr. Taylor's Field and the plastic trackway, the, the, the track laying team are a crack squad. But the, the laying of the track is a precision piece of artwork, has to be done Absolutely. in a straight line across the field, aiming at the little tree, um, and then driven across slowly, not like Binzi does at 40 miles an hour, which destroys yeah. it. Um, and that allows us to park however many hundreds of cars in Mr. Taylor's uh, kindly donated fields. You're right. Parking is a big deal. Because it's symbolic as well, isn't it? Because it's symbolic of the kind of village coming together. But it also, do you remember when the whole parking track thing was some years ago and it had been raining torrentially and we got to about Tuesday of the week before the big night and Rupert Perkins realised that it was going to be a swamp. And so he went on eBay and found 400 quid's worth of trackway in Wolverhampton, as I remember. He did all this on his own. He didn't, I don't know, he didn't get involved with anybody else. He then hired a vehicle, I don't know what it was. He drove up to Wolverhampton. He, load, he got the guy to load the truckway. He, he paid for it and he came back down again and we stuck it down and lo and behold, everybody parked in the field without getting up to their axles in mud. He's a good egg, Mr. Perkins. He does need to be kept on a, on a bit of a leash because last year we would have had several <laughs> high-powered lasers in yes, the field no. had he been allowed to have his way. So, um, yeah, uh, restraining. Yeah. Yes, yes, but his, his intent is absolutely brilliant. Well, that's pretty good, isn't it? Because he yes. on Tuesday, we need a, we need a proper <laughs> car park. I'm going to make one. Let's imagine we are... Let's imagine pe people listening um, have never uh, been to the bonfire. Uh, but maybe live in Putnam or close and think, um, maybe I should join in. What's the point? It's only a bonfire, for God's sake. There are several points, but uh, for me, um, it's been a chance to make, you know, rather than just having neighbours, I've made lifelong friends from being involved with the bonfire. And I think the fact that we've raised as much money as we have. It's the best time of the year because the whole community comes together and then every in every way. Where else do you get to use a chainsaw up a ladder? <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, largest collection of Land Rovers in Surrey. One of the things that I... I um, Tony Riley, who's sadly not here today, but who's an absolute bonfire stalwart as well, and he's our... Um, he, he does the slightly strange uh, double act of keeping it super safe and also filling it with diesel. Um, <laughs> is uh, his daughter Lizzie is um, uh, and her partner Dan live in uh, Stockport and every single year that I've been involved by they, they drive however many 200 and something miles um, from Stockport to come down to and Dan spends two days in a muddy field 
and about 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock in the morning on the day where we're all working hard trying to get everything sorted out Lizzie sets up a little uh, gas stove and makes us bacon sandwiches so she comes from Stockport to make us bacon sandwiches so for me that that is putting them both on one year with with a two-month-old strapped to yes, her exactly whilst right. cooking bacon sandwiches, I exactly believe. Right. It, it makes you wonder for the fact that Dan does that so so willingly and then stands next to a really, really, really hot fire for far too long. How terrifying a father-in-law must Tony Riley yeah. be to, to make him want to do that? Or the love of the bonfire is just Maybe. too strong. There's no other event in the village that uh, lasts for so long and it's a massive cement for the community to get together and enjoy each other's company. It's fantastic. It doesn't, it doesn't seem to matter whether you contribute 15 minutes. It is, it's the fact that no matter what that little bit is that you do, that everybody's sort of almost an equal in the, in the overall uh, part of it and, and sort of gets the same level of reward and takeaway from it, I think, as feeling part of it and, and involved in it. The thing I, I wish I spent a little bit of time in Spain and I went to lots of festivals in Spain, and the thing about the bonfire that I find remarkable, you explained it to a Spaniard and said, well, what we do is we spend 10 weeks building a thing and then we put a painting on and, and, and we, you know, we're in a muddy field and it's November and it's pouring rain and it's cold and blah, blah, blah. And they kind of go, yeah, that's a proper fiesta. The only thing they wouldn't understand is that we all disappear at nine o'clock. They go, they go well, well, hang on, why don't you, why don't you just carry on dancing until midnight? Well, we only disappeared into the pub. But they would find it curious that, a lot of people go, oh, the fireworks finished then, right, let's go out before we get blocked in. But yeah, 10 weeks, yeah, yeah, muddy field, yeah, good, good, build the thing, yeah, burn it, great, and beer. For me, it's the output. 3 p.m. on the day the bonfire's finished, and they're doing the sound check, and you're looking at the huge bonfire that beer tents up and the music's pumping out. I think there's a real moment of pride to the village that we've pulled this thing off so i think being just a part of that yeah there's no cliqueiness about the bonfire more than merrier i think every year there's new people i think most of us have made good mates from turning up at the bonfire i definitely uh actually please the more people the better especially for cleanup sunday i think it's it's been very it's been interesting over what the nine eight nine years i've been involved in it as new people move into the village how they're slowly sort of blooded or indoctrinated into the into it and um those that are able to help lots or not or those that have a particular penchant for getting really involved and, and helping out and stuff and how that's obviously continued in the many years preceding that as well with the sort of procession of different chair people and and you know people that have come in helped for a number of years then dropped away a bit and there's always a sort of conveyor belt of, of new people coming in and, and wanting to get involved and um it comes back to that yeah it's it, it's the thing that brings the community together and gets you to meet people i suppose um when you're when you're a newbie in the village um which hopefully we can continue and um it'll carry on ad infinitum So there we are. Really hope you enjoyed it. Thanks to everyone who joined in and thanks to everybody who helps with the bonfire, who has ever helped with the bonfire, who's ever been to the bonfire or who thinks they might come to the bonfire next time. Just one thing to clarify. In fact, we use the Great Barn at Wanborough for our painting, not Wanborough Hall. And we are so grateful to uh, the committee at the Great Barn for letting us use it. It is such a, uh, a fantastic 
facility for us. If you're new to the village, come and join us. It's great fun. Dave Kassar and Adam Calvert are the chairman. Get in touch with them. They're pretty easy to find. Otherwise, get in touch with the podcast and uh, I'll put you right. If you look on the podcast website, I'm going to do a link to a fantastic film that was made by Ben Finney, who's a friend and neighbour of ours who made a wonderful uh, short film about the bonfire last year. And I think what I'll also do is put some photos, if I can find any, on the Facebook page and feel free to add to those because I'm sure people have got some brilliant shots of years gone by. Before I go, some sad news. You'll remember that at the beginning of our conversation, Mike mentioned John Wardley, who was indeed, as he said, an SAS officer who led sabotage raids behind the lines in Holland. Uh, during the war and was obviously an extraordinary man. I never had the pleasure of meeting John, but his obituary was in the Daily Telegraph this week, among other places. And it did say, tucked away at the end of the tribute. After returning to England with his wife, Marguerite, and their baby daughter, he worked for an engineering company. Settled in Putnam, a village near Guildford, he was the best of company and a stalwart supporter of his local community. I think that says it all. Thank you, John. Long live the bonfire.